Welcome to uh, another chat. Uh, today we're going to be talking uh, to Ben Carpenter of Taylor My Property. Um, we spoke to Ben a couple of times um, over the past 12 months. Property's obviously been a, an interesting asset class for lots of people um, and also one in which um, uh, a lot sort of happened um, uh, as a result of COVID, various measures put in place um by uh, by government uh, in particular we're going to focus on the uk and so um you know stamp duty holidays um lockdowns it's been a busy time um you know a kind of perceived rush away from cities to the countryside whether that's born fruits whether that's actually happened um so 12 months on from sort of the beginning of the lockdown i thought it'd be good to have a chat with ben um from taylor my property and ask you know his thoughts and, and get a bit of a re review and a synopsis of of what's happened um over the past 12 months so um please uh, uh ben welcome and thanks for uh for for, for taking the time to uh, speak to us um so we're we're 12 months on um any thoughts at all on um where we are you know what, what happened over the last 12 months yeah, hi George. Um, always a pleasure speaking to you, so no problem there at all. I hope all is well. Yeah, I think the first conversation, the first um, chat we had was almost exactly a year ago. And I think at that point in time, the imminent concern, certainly for people in the property industry, that was that uh, you know it, it, the, the industry was effectively going into lockdown, as were people in the UK. Um, and concerns about a prolonged hibernation in the market. It is undeniable that in that first couple of months, um, things slowed down pretty much overnight. Yeah. Um, that was completely understandable. And actually, to be perfectly honest, we had had um, a couple of months, January and February, of sustained growth in the UK following the election. Uh, I think, as I said at the time, people were anticipating a better very strong 2020 and obviously the brakes were put on pretty rapidly uh, on the back of the pandemic but contrary to concerns over a sustained period of hibernation what we've actually gone on to see is um, is a stronger year of growth um, than we have seen in the UK in the property market since 2014 and there is a number of reasons why that is uh, first of all if you look Domestically, the pandemic has had a has altered dramatically, I think, people's relationship to their home, people's relationship to their office. And in, in turn, that has shifted um, what people are, are, are looking for and demanding out of their property. Um, so what you've seen is really a, a move um, to more value and more space. Uh, particularly, I think that's happened in London, where you have the transport infrastructure uh, to support living uh, in the commuter belt, and and obviously where prices in central London can be relatively high compared to what you're going to get for substantially more space in the garden, etc., parking, that kind of thing, um, on the fringes of London. So people have moved further afield, and that's really created a wave of 
activity and buying activity from people that are, as I say, looking to, to actually switch what they're looking at in terms of their residential homes. At the same time, that's been supported by low interest rates in the UK, both for people living uh, overseas and for um, people living in the UK trying to buy their home. Um, at the same time, uh, I think there's been acute awareness that whilst the market has been appreciating, sellers are well aware that uh, that potentially does have a time limit on it. And so in my view, it still has been a buyer's market. There has been good deals and discounts to, to be had. Um, and fourth and finally, really, and probably most significantly, as you alluded to in your intro, um, we, we've, we've really seen how central property is um, to, this, to this Conservative government um, and how central they see it as and how imperative they see growth um, for the whole of the UK economy. So they have stimulated the, the property market in the form of particularly, or amongst others, but particularly the stamp duty holiday, um, which essentially removed stamp duty, um, any stamp duty bans between zero and half a million pounds. Um, for people buying from overseas, buying their additional property, there was still a 3% surcharge to pay. Um, but that was it. And they were still saving up to potentially £15,000 was the maximum that you could save. And that literally changed things overnight. Um, ever since that was enacted in the spring budget of 2020, um, we have numerous conversations per week with people and almost without fail, um, their reasons for buying include getting front of the stamp duty holiday. Um, and actually, its impact now is, can be seen really as we, as we uh, see it being extended on and prior to it being extended, the clamour to get in front of the initial stamp duty deadline, which was, um, the, which was the end of March and has now been extended to the end of June and then tapered out. Um, but prior to March, we saw analysis which suggested that there's potentially um, 300,000 properties that would not have gone ahead had it not been uh, had the stamp duty window not been extended which is you know, a complete case in point really an illustration that these people were really putting stamp duty forward as their sole reason for going ahead now as opposed to delaying it later interesting and actually what i would what i would say at the same time george is that what we've seen in the property market i think that there's been a lot of um be honest probably well-founded suggestions that the property market is slightly antiquated and it hasn't particularly evolved and adapted and brought on technologies as, as have other industries but what you have seen i think is covid has um given the property industry a much needed um shove kind of into the 21st century and it has adapted uh to the changes and the limitations in terms of people getting on site on development obviously uh, you know, social distancing in terms of having a number of people in a property to view it. So more and more so we see from afar buyers being able to have CGI walkthroughs of their units, have specific units where they can select when they will be able to see what exactly what aspect they have from their balconies, for example. Almost without fail now, people buying a property on the secondary market will have you know, a guided real-time Zoom tour. 
Um, so as I say, there's been some adaptation at the same time, and I think that's been uh, certainly a positive of the market, and to be perfectly honest, probably much needed within the industry. Yeah, interesting. I mean, it's fascinating, really, when you um, look back then. So 12 months on from, from you know, almost 12 months on from, from lockdowns and all of that kind of uncertainty, and you can reflect back now through the rearview mirror of a period of time in which there's been the greatest growth in the UK since 2014, that you've seen the industry embrace technology and innovation in a way that makes, um, you know, the sector, you know, more modern, easier to kind of navigate to some extent, less clunky, let's say. Um, and so it's been the catalyst for quite a bit of change. And obviously what's very interesting is the, that, that 300,000 properties that, that, that went ahead and wouldn't have gone ahead had they not extended that stamp duty holiday is a big one on, you know, you know, maybe a lesson learned for the Chancellor Exchequer because, you know, if they hadn't gone ahead, they wouldn't have made any stamp duty revenue. Um, you know, the, uh, uh, the, the reduction doesn't, you know, remove all taxes on a property purchase. Um, and so that's 300,000 transactions of which they have received, you know, some taxes rather than none. Um, and maybe that's something that, 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 that will dictate policy moving forward. But I suppose, you know, who knows? Um, and then so moving forward, so that's the review mirror, um, you know, kind of somewhat surprisingly positive in, in many respects. What, what do we think is going to happen now as we look ahead? Yeah, so the first thing is um, immediately, I think that anyone in the industry is, is certainly grateful for the fact that not only has the stamp duty holiday been extended, but importantly, it is then being tapered out. So come the end of June, what you will see is the, the nil rate band of tax um, falling to 250k, which is still above what it would be um, under normal circumstances, which is 125,000 pounds. Um, otherwise, I think what we would certainly see is just the situation we've had in February, March, really being pushed back a couple of months, but we would still have the same dilemma in terms of people completing on time and the same I think withdrawal of transactions from the market had there not been this gradual easing of measures over time. So I think that's certainly something which um, the government can be praised for in terms of implementing. Um, I think the consensus for this year is that we just aren't going to see the same level of growth as we did in 2020. In 2020, we saw around 7% growth. To be perfectly honest, that level of growth year on year just isn't sustainable. Um, so it's not surprising, and to be perfectly honest, um, you know, you potentially probably wouldn't want prices to be appreciating as much yeah. per year um, as you saw in the previous 12 months. That being said, um, I think that we are, I mean, outside of, of what I do and the people I speak to on a daily basis, just speaking to family, friends, et cetera, in the UK, I think there is undeniably now a growing sense of positivity in the UK regarding uh, the rollout. I think the UK, it seems to have been um, a really two very contrasting stories in their management of, of COVID. I think certainly in terms of social distancing, the consensus has been that the government uh, has been reactive and chasing shadows um 
as opposed to the vaccination rollout, where they really have got ahead of the game. Um, so at this point in time, I mean, I think it was yesterday that you know, things are starting to open up again in the UK. Uh, I, people genuinely feel now that they are in line for the vaccination. Uh, over half of the adult population has been vaccinated, uh, or at least received one dose of the vaccine. Um, but they are on a track now to getting some level of normality back. And by the time we see that stamp duty holiday completely come to an end at the end of September, start of October, there's a feeling that by that time, whatever the new normal looks like in the UK, we would have reached that point. Um, so in terms of property values, we are expecting to see some growth over the, over the year. It's able to... Um, who released an annual uh, property report forecasting um, values not only over the next 12 months but over the last over the next five years in the UK and it's really seen as a as a bit of a barometer on which to gauge sentiment within the market uh, they have over the last couple of weeks actually produced their latest report which has upgraded uh, their figures from last year last year they forecast that there would be zero growth within the UK this year. They are now forecasting that we will see 4% within the next 12 months. Um, and going forward, actually, what they're, what they're suggesting is that we will see a sustained period of growth. So the next five years, they're forecasting just slightly over 20% growth in the market. That does hide um, some, some pretty significant regional variations. Not what we're going to continue seeing. Uh, our regional areas in the UK outperforming capital, outperforming London. Uh, London, according to that levels, uh, is forecast to appreciate by just 12% over the next five years. The northwest of England uh, is the area, is the region that is forecast to grow most significantly by over 28% over the next five years. Now, what the pandemic has also told us is that five-year forecasts can be blown out the window pretty much um, overnight. Um, so, you know, we do have to take those forecasts with a pinch of salt. But, you know, any shocks to the system aside, I think what is now being forecast was actually what we had seen and what was being forecasted prior to the pandemic, which was following years of Brexit uncertainty with Conservative government, um, and an actual majority. I think what we were forecasting at that point was a more consistent period of growth in the property market. And the forecasts that we're seeing now are reflective of what we saw then. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, interesting. It, it's a good, I mean, it's a very relevant and good point, I think, um, when you look at, um, when you say, um, uh, you know, five year forecasts could be blown out of the water because, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, uh, important lesson learned really in some respects from COVID is that, you know, things can happen and just sort of, you know, change everything, but also they can happen in a way that you think might do one thing, but then, you know, causes another thing, you know, it's not always obvious. Um, and so, you know, and with this, you know, in, in, in a world where stamp duty is going to change foreign buyers, you know, any thoughts on that side? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting what you said in terms of the government potentially taking lessons from, um, you know, the amount of activity which their own stimulus has has, has created, um, you would hope that, and certainly, 
I think they have been under pressure to reduce stamp duty in the UK. Um, now, obviously, people in the industry probably are looking at it with slightly um, a, a biased perspective, but also, you know, leading economic analysts and think tanks in the UK have said exactly the same, that actually removing or at least alleviating some of the stamp duty charges um, that buys in the UK space would actually stimulate more spending and that spending would outweigh um, the tax revenue that the government would, would receive. Um, so unfortunately, actually, I, the signs that they have learned from that aren't particularly positive, given that they have chosen to introduce a further 2% stamp duty for overseas buyers. Um, now, just to summarize briefly what that is, there's a lot of moving parts at this point in time in terms of stamp duty, because we still are in a stamp duty holiday, whilst at the same time, there's an introduction of a, of a new stamp duty measure. So just to clarify, for people that are living overseas, um, if they are buying what would at the end of the day, at the end of the day of their transaction, be their only property globally, then they will be paying a 2% stamp duty surcharge um, on their purchase price. Now, if that property is their, is their additional property, is their second, third, etc., cetera, um, then they would be paying the additional stamp duty surcharge of 3%, plus a further 2% surcharge um, for people buying overseas. So it would amount at this point in time to 5%. Um, in terms of what we're likely to see as a result, I think, to be honest, we are going to see an exacerbation of the pattern that we have already seen, which is people continuing to invest, certainly with the additional 3%, the vast majority of the people that we were having conversations with were able to to absorb that cost. And one of the key things that I would always say to a buyer is, is you know, allow us or people like us to carefully manage your cash flow and look at exactly what costs you are going to be putting into the property, including any incremental costs at the very start of the process. So if someone's coming to me, what we'll always do is is look at not only what your deposit likely to be, but also legal costs, mortgage costs, and stamp duty. At the end of the day, people, as long as we had assured them and, and, and made sure that they were buying within their means, ultimately what they were going to be getting is still a property which is covering itself and in the long term is going to appreciate um, significantly over time. Um, and as I say, you know, it's a property which is going to be leveraged and still having a tenant in place, paying off uh, your mortgage repayments, and ultimately property on, on the long term made sense irrespective of that initial stamp duty um, hit that they would have to take. And I think with the 2%, I think people will continue to be able to absorb that, but people will look at, uh, at the lower point in the price spectrum, and um, which is what we were seeing anyway. Um, so people will be looking at, you know, potentially buying 200 to 300,000 pound properties as opposed to one, two million pound properties. Um, I was just looking at, even within the stamp duty holiday, given that you have to pay tax still over and above half a million pounds, even during this initial window of time, 
within traditional percent people buying it two million pounds will be facing a stamp duty surcharge of above twelve and a half percent at this point in time, which is somewhat harder to um, to swallow, I believe. So rather than looking at that level in the market, people are going to be looking to downsize. And I think actually we'll see that become more and more exaggerated. So we've been focused quite heavily on, I suppose, what you would deem to be your second tier cities, which are the Rose, you know, your Birmingham, Manchester, Edinburgh, similar cities. What you're actually going to see is not only people looking at those, but probably looking at your next tier and probably your tier below in terms of pricing, where they will be able, you know, your stamp duty bill is, is going to come to less again. So by those cities, I think there's going to be a positive for like the Leeds, Newcastle, Glasgow, um, Sheffield. These types of places now where you can get a two bed, two bath for let's say 150, 170,000 pounds, where 2% is certainly going to be something which can be absorbed in terms of your initial outlay. Uh, those are the cities I think that really are going to be in demand as a result. So it's just going to change the dynamics and we will continue to buy, we will continue to change the dynamics of what they're looking at. Okay. I mean, I think it's really interesting what you say there about the, um, you know, that move away from kind of large, you know, 2 million plus properties into smaller properties, slightly lower, you know, cost. I mean, it's always in life that, you know, that, that the tax often has unintended consequences. And so what you'll see then is a kind of increase in value of property around that kind of, you know, middle class family property, um, you know, young people's first property. And so the stamp duty tax, rather than actually affecting kind of large, um, uh, large properties, wealthy investors potentially, will actually have the, the impact of increasing the price of properties in that middle sector, because that's where people, investors will look to find the value. Um, just, uh, you know, an interesting kind of view from, you know, my side in relation to, 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 to tax policy at a government level, it, you know, can understand why they do these things, but often the, 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 the outcomes aren't quite what they want from the, um, uh, from, from the tax itself. So it'd be interesting to keep an eye on that. Um, I, I absolutely agree. And what I would add, George, I mean, to be honest, to the benefit of the UK market, I think what this will um, deter people from doing is buying and flipping their property. And when you've got to overcome an immediate 10, 12% stamp duty tax, um, you know, being able to recoup that over an extremely short period of time when you factor in capital gains tax on the, on the sale of, of the property, it's just not going to happen in the short term. And that's a positive thing. We don't tend to encourage people to flip properties. Um, but I think the government could have gone about this in a more nuanced way. I think they're obviously targeting overseas, potentially speculative investors. Um, but I think it is somewhat counterintuitive to be including particularly um, UK citizens living overseas who you know, aren't in this to be speculative. They're in it to buy properties that they can keep ticking over the UK government has been very actively encouraging a generation of buyers as opposed to a generation of renters. And as living overseas, you know, are, yes, potentially getting uh, a tenant through the door immediately, but they're just looking to get on the property ladder and ultimately it's going to be something that they either use personally or 
used as a stepping stone to get something that they will ultimately call their home. Um, so I don't necessarily think that they are the targets of this policy. And as I say, they will be able to, by and large, absorb it, but it is still counterintuitive, I think, to be targeting these kind of people at all. I agree completely. And I think that um, it's, it's an interesting one as well, actually, because a lot of governments would be desperate to try and get you know, expatriates to repatriate their money, um, sending money back to their countries to you know, help develop the economies, increase revenues, expenditure. Um, and again, it's, it's, I think it's very peculiar, actually, um, to include British non-residents in this sweeping um, stamp duty uh, change. And I think that it's, it's, uh, it's, it, it, it's quick, cheap headline grabbing rather than actually kind of well thought out policies. Um, and I think that that's something that that, that, that will, you know, that, that requires some sort of scrutiny, actually. But we'll see. Um, it's uh, it's going to be interesting times, you know, across the board on uh, for the Chancellor Exchequer. It's not just going to be property as the asset class, other asset classes, and how they tax those from income to capital gains. All will be under the microscope, and we'll be interested to see how um, Wishy Sunak um, deals with those challenges. And then, so that's really, you know, good, deep kind of dive, really, into where we've been, where we're going. Um, We've only got two minutes left, I think, really, before you have to head off for your next meeting. Thank you for giving us the time. One last no thing, a quick thing on financing. I mean, any, any, any real sort of changes on that side? Quick two-minute update. And in terms of mortgages, um, what I would say is we have been able to benefit from um, historically low rates for the last 12 months. I've been out here now for coming up to about eight years, and... As a ballpark figure, I've been informing my clients to expect an interest rate probably around three and a half to four percent. At this point in time, you can get rates of as low as uh, the lowest rate I'm aware of right now is 2.59 percent. Um, so we probably are looking at a percentage point lower than uh, we would have potentially been able to achieve for our clients, um, certainly at the start of 2020. Um, at the same time, it's, um, it's an interesting situation because lenders are very much lending competitively, but they are lending more selectively, I would say. Um, and what we have seen over the last 12 months is, is lenders certainly capping how much they will lend, um, particularly in the form of just lowering their maximum loan to value. So we used to have multiple options that would allow someone as an expat on a buy-to-let mortgage to borrow 75%. My conversation, my guidance now is very much geared towards encouraging people to do or certainly preparing them um, for being able to put in a 30% deposit and borrowing at 70%. And I think ultimately we will see that really that for the lenders right now is, is a level where their appetite is. That is certainly shifting. So I don't expect uh, going forward, I don't particularly think the rates will fall any further but I think that we will see an opening up um, of, of, of lenders' risk appetites. And I think therefore we will start to see people being able to borrow more. Um, a good case in point is actually Skipton International, who last week, Skipton and a lender we use very frequently. They are a lender that, that um, capped their loan to value at 70%, having previously lent at 75 they will now again lend at 75%. And we do expect other lenders to follow suit. 
that is a small case in point as compared to what is happening right now for UK buyers, where the government has just um, introduced a policy where they will essentially provide assurances to lenders offering 95% mortgages. So there's essentially a rental guarantee scheme, uh, sorry, not rental guarantee, a, a mortgage guarantee scheme in the UK now, and people can get on the market with a 5% deposit. Um, as I said, they are very much one of their buzzwords right now is, is, is generation buyers post generation rent. Um, and, and that's what they're encouraging people to do. And I think we are going to see lenders following suit and it won't be the same for someone living overseas. It never is, but I think we will ultimately start to benefit from that just from the trickle down effect that it will have. Yeah, good. Like a raise, rising tide lifts all ships, just kind of more positive view on lending will you know filter through down into the expat market as well that's good to hear okay ma'am that's really good that's really helpful and it's um uh it's 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 really nice being able to to hear your thoughts a bit of a nuanced view of the property market in the uk and i i, I think again it's you know always just sort of reinforces that you know the long-term view um you know a unique asset class that's inflation linked that enables you to to use a bank to to have 100% exposure to an asset that grows steadily over the long term, um, and one that, you know, a bit like the equity markets, really, um, what we saw last year or the last 12 months was um, that governments, you know, do tie consumer GDP confidence to a buoyant property market and a buoyant equity market, and the governments have done what they can to support those markets, and they've benefited from them. And whether the benefit will be as stark in the next 12 months, we maybe expect not because it was also dramatic the previous. But I think that broadly, um, you know, that, that, that core government support for the asset class, the demand for that asset class, and, and maybe a conversation to be had another day, Ben, is, you know, my, 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 the, the real core fundamental reasons for why UK property remains um, a, you know, a, a strong investment class is because of the demand and supply the demand is high the supply is low because of regulation and the regulation in the uk means that it's just not enough houses and so that supports um, those buying and supports the prices and um you know i'm sure that's uh, you know quarter quarter to the to, to, to the forecast made by savills and the like basically it's the amount of properties that are going to come online as well Absolutely, I agree. Um, the UK has never, it's made significant efforts to address the shortfall of housing. It has never ever got a grip on actually increasing the amount of um, homes to a level anywhere near that is gonna match any kind of um, demand on the market. Um, the final thing I would say is that in terms of people holding these properties for the long term, there has been a slight downward pressure on rents over the last 12 months, but tenant, but buyers are getting tenants through the door pretty much without fail. Uh, my clients' properties are renting and renting well and renting at a level which would enable them um, to hold these for the long term and to get their mortgage paid off um, all the while, potentially in the next, well, after a 12-month window, potentially looking at rental uplift and obviously benefiting from any capital appreciation that that that, um, that has happened as well. 
Um, so yeah, certainly the writing on the wall is, is still been positive for people that are looking to hold it into the long term and just get something nicely ticking away and, 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 and increasing their equity over time in the property. Good stuff, man. Well, have a great day ahead. Thanks for keep um, for, for 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 making the time, and um, we'll be in touch again. I'm sure to 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 to, to hear your thoughts, um, kind of following the summer, and hopefully, you know, the UK economy opening up um, uh, following the vaccine program. So, good stuff. Stay safe and uh, speak soon. You too, George. Thanks very much again for having me on, and um, look forward to speaking again uh, in the near future. Cool. Cheers. All the best, buddy. Bye-bye.